up on today's show, the mayor of Calgary, Jody Gondek, will join us talking about the kind of harassment that public officials are facing and what we need to do about it. How does it play in Eastern Canada? We'll speak with Greg Brady, who's the host of Toronto Today on AM640, and get, you know, an East versus West perspective. And what happened to that Artemis launch that was supposed to happen yesterday? They had to scrub it. A survey done in January of this year showed that threats to their physical safety are definitely a barrier to young women who are considering entering politics. In fact, two-thirds of women aged 18 to 30 uh, that took part in this survey said they would be worried about their safety should they decide to enter politics. Three-quarters of them were worried about online harassment and their right to be concerned. We've seen it. I mean, online harassment is absolutely unbelievable. This weekend, uh, Mayor Jody Gondek of Calgary uh, put out a Twitter thread sort of talking about what happened with the Christia Freeland incident and how it related to her experience. And it was an eye-opener for me. I mean, I'm sure as all public officials go through um, different things, but I I didn't know about some of the incidents that uh, Mayor Gondek had experienced. And I'm delighted she can join us now and tell us a bit more about her experience and her feelings about the state of politics right now. Mayor Gondek, thank you for your time. I appreciate you joining us today. Thanks for having me on, Shay. You know, the thread that you posted details some of your experiences, but it said it took you a couple of days to get to the point where you actually wanted to comment publicly on this. So tell us, what was the weekend like for you? After seeing the video and sort of processing it and deciding what you wanted to say and how you wanted to say it, what was that like for you? Um, I have to tell you, it's been a number of years where people have said, you know, you need to talk about your experiences so that people can understand it. But I think anyone who's been through things like this will tell you, when you start talking about it, it means you start have to, you have to start understanding the impact that it's had on you. And you have to, I always say, you have to open that box and unpack the feelings that come along with the experience. And you just don't have time to do that. If you were actually going to stop and do that every time you go through something, you'd be an emotional wreck. So, you know, it's been years of tucking things away into boxes and not opening them. So when I finally did this weekend, um, I thought maybe people need to hear this because not because this is about me, but because if I can talk about this and be very clear and say things like this can make you fearful and being fearful doesn't make you weak. If you talk about how this makes you feel, maybe we can change the legislation and the criminal code to get the system to actually work. And I guess that's the question, and that's probably what you were wrestling with, if I understand you correctly, in terms of, okay, do we share these stories? Does it make it worse? Does it open me up to more? Um, Or does it help by, you know, the old sunlight is the biggest disinfectant? And I guess I've had that struggle with how much do I talk about this on air? And in particular, do we want to, you know, because a lot of what goes on here, Mayor Gondek, is they want the exposure. They record it. That's part of what it's about. So it's a fine line. Um, in terms of how do we handle this best, these incidents going forward? Will you continue to sort of deal with them quietly on your own? Or do you think it's more important now to be public and speak about it? I think for me to be able to do my job with my colleagues on council, we need to keep compartmentalizing things and keep going because we can't publicly share everything we go through. It's just too much. But Now that I have shared enough and I've given people a glimpse into what it's like, I hope people take other journalists seriously. I hope they take other elected officials seriously and we start taking some action because the way the legislation is written right now and the way things work from a prosecution perspective, it's all about how did it make the victim feel? What was the understanding of the victim? And I think it needs to be more actions-based and say this action for example, protesting in front of someone's home, is illegal. 
stop making it about how the victim feels and start making it about the actions that cannot be tolerated. When you talk about your experiences, and, and, and you mentioned one in your Twitter thread where uh, somebody had threatened you, um, I think over the phone or, or, or through email or whatever, and then showed up in person to let you know they were the person that had threatened you and just sort of to be present, I, I could feel the fear. I, 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 what's, what's, what's your security situation like? There's a lot of people talking about Christian Freeland and what she went through and where was her security. I mean, do you think security is something we need to be looking at for public officials? Do we need to increase it? I think it's an interesting question, Shay, because when that happened to me, I was a candidate. Yeah. So, you know, when you're a candidate, you're a literal nobody. And unless every venue is going to offer security, I don't know how every candidate could possibly afford to do that. And even as a counselor, I I did not have, you know, security with me. I relied on my own, you know, sense of understanding the situation I was in and my team being with me. Um, As the mayor, it's a bit of a different situation. I do have the opportunity to um, have close protection with me in certain situations. But I'll tell you what worries me more than that. I I think people have noticed that I don't post, hey, I'm going to be here. I post after I'm done. And there's a reason I do that, because I don't want my showing up to something to put the public in danger. I don't want little kids. I don't want anyone to see someone go after me in that way. So my concern is for the people who organized the event and attended. And, and, and Mayor Gondek, you, you bring up a really important point. I mean, of course, public uh, safety of all people in this country, including public officials, should be our paramount concern. And we need to make sure that people stay physically safe. But the overarching, the bigger picture, perhaps, is what this does to politics and the way we conduct our political lives in this country. You're limiting your promotion of where you're going to be. I'm sure you're limiting access and how um, available you are to the people that you represent. And it also drives people out of um, public life that say, I, I, I don't, I don't want to have to entertain this. So I think overall, it puts a really chilling effect on the way that a democracy is supposed to work. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I can draw the line between when I'm the mayor and when I'm just me, the human being, the Calgarian, and I can differentiate that. So when I go to my grocery store to pick up stuff for my mom or when I go to get, you know, my car washed or whatever it is that I'm out doing, I'm just me. But I'm not to the person who sees me. I'm the mayor. So it's an interesting place to be in. I don't want to have security with me all of the time. I'd like to be just me when I go out to do the plain old things I have to do. And I hope it can stay that way. But I'm worried that if we don't call this stuff out and we don't call out the organized hate that is spreading, you're going to be hard-pressed to find people who want to go through this. So I guess... To sum up, what is that recourse? How do we do that? I mean, there are so many, I think social media is part of it. I think political leaders who engage in it don't discourage it and in fact stoke the fires are part of it. There's alternative media sources that do this. How do we go about turning down the temperature in this country? Well, I think, number one, the voices of people who have been through things like this need to be heard and the people that are creating the legislation, people that have the ability to change the criminal code, people who are prosecuting and know what's wrong, They need to step up and offer the changes and make them happen quickly. And then I think as human beings, as a society, we have a responsibility to call things out when they start happening this way. But, you know, here's the issue. So you're at a dinner party. Someone says something completely obnoxious and you call them out. And the next thing you know, that person's in your face. Mm -hmm. So we're scared. 
we are fearful of speaking out. And we do not talk about how fearful we are. And that just allows those folks to perpetuate that fear. And that's the thing that's got to stop. And it's tough. Uh, again, I, I don't know necessarily. Uh, short, uh, the, the legal recourse, I think, is our best opportunity, but I don't know if any laws were broken in Grand Prairie on Friday. Well, the existing laws weren't broken. Right. Which is the exact problem. So, yeah. you know, what are we going to do about the fact that you can't intimidate and harass somebody in that manner? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the change looks like, but something's got to be done because all of us were taken aback. I had to turn off the video as soon as I started watching it because I didn't know what was going to happen and I didn't want to see it. Took me like a day to actually watch it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for a lot of people, that experience was the same. It was like, oh my goodness, this is unbelievable. But, you know, we're seeing more and more of them. So, um, Mayor Gondok, I can't thank you enough for joining us today and and sharing your thoughts on this. And uh, we'll chat again soon. Sounds good. And thanks for shining a light on it, Shay. Have a great day. You too. That is Calgary Mayor Jody Gondek um, talking about the situation here. And now listen, you don't have to agree with Jody Gondek. You don't have, politically, you can have all kinds of differences and you can think she's terrible for the city of Calgary if you want to. That's fine. But if you can disagree with anything that she's saying in terms of the way that public officials from all parties in this country should be t- treated and should be allowed to conduct the business of the people, um, you need to sit down and look at that. You need to examine that. We live in a democracy. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. But as Churchill said, it's the worst system except for all of the other ones that we have tried. Okay? It's important. Um, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. And when you lose, uh, you can recalibrate and organize and be ready for the next fight. But we've decided to try and skip some steps. Some people haven't. Again, it's a handful of people, but it doesn't take many. And I think what she's talking about is important. And if you value democracy, and if you truly are a patriot and someone who believes in freedom, democracy should be front and center. That should be what's most important to you. Not you winning all the time. No, 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 no. In a democracy, sometimes you lose, but you should support the system. You should respect the system. And we're damaging it. That's the risk we run here. Not only people getting hurt or worse, which I think is in our future if we don't act on this, but the entire level of our democracy suffers. Take a look at the South. Take a look at what's going on in the United States. That democracy is in peril. And we're walking down that road. We're way, way, way behind, but we're on that path. We have a chance to stop it. in Alberta, uh, I do get my back up a bit when something like this happens and people go online and say, oh, Alberta, so embarrassing. I'm embarrassed to be from Alberta. Come on. This Yahoo's not Alberta, right? Um, we know that. There's, uh, it's a very, very small portion of the people that, that act like this and grab the headlines. I understand that. And yeah, we certainly have our share in Alberta, but it does bother me when we all get characterized this way. Do we really? How does the rest of the country view incidents like this? Now, to be fair, there's been a lot of incidents that have taken place in other parts of the country too, right? In fact, more so than Alberta. But nonetheless, you know that reputation exists out there. Um, After yesterday's show, I got in touch with Greg Brady, who is the host of Toronto Today on 6.40 a.m. And I know a lot of you often reach out and say, you know, what's going on? What are they saying about this in Eastern Canada? How do they feel about this in Eastern Canada? Do they even know? Do they care? Do they know what's going on in Alberta and the frustration in Alberta? And I said, Greg, 
let's have a conversation about this. Let's let's talk about the situation and how it's viewed in Alberta, what it means to Albertans, and how it's viewed in Ontario and what it means to people in the East. What are the differences? We see so many across this country. So I had a chance to sit down with Greg Brady, 6.40 a.m. Toronto. Here's our conversation from yesterday afternoon. Maybe you saw the video Friday before I did, Shay, but my, my instant reaction was I already, I already know that nothing has gone wrong. I know that it's a verbal assault and nothing more. But I can imagine when I watched it a third and fourth time that if you were there in that in that place, if you were you know managing the front desk it, like or or a, a clerk, you didn't know that it was just going to stop at verbal assault. That was my takeaway from seeing it afterwards. Even though I knew nothing had happened, when did you sort of get get a feel for it, and and how did your opinion of it change over the weekend? Yeah, it came across. I mean, I'm not like you. I first saw it on Friday. I mean, it, it hit social media uh, very quickly because that was the point. That's that's why the whole thing was done, right? But uh, I, I like you. I, I saw it and realized, okay, it was just a, it was just a melting off sort of a thing. But it's funny. I was talking to my uh, technical producer today, and and she was saying, you know, as soon as I saw this thing hit social media on Friday, I thought, oh, Monday's going to be fun. This is what's going to be happening on Monday. You could tell that this this was the kind of thing and. It, it, for me, it, it just as the weekend went along, it was really interesting to track how it started out being, um, oh, my goodness, this is awful. And then pivot to there was a lot of people saying, oh, it's staged. It's staged. Come on. That was totally a setup. And then it pivoted quickly into, yeah, but what about, what about, what about, what about, which is OK. I mean, you, you expect it. We've seen it replayed so many times, but it's just we need to stop at that. Boy, that's awful. And leave it there. It doesn't matter what political party you belong to or anything it's okay to say you know what i don't like justin trudeau and christian freeland's policies i really really don't i think you're doing some bad things but what that guy did was wrong that's fine you can say that there must be albertans feeling that sort of cringe factor that here we go will the rest of the country um judge us look i think when something happens in toronto people are like that with the port peak shooting. I know people out there thinking, oh, you know, people think our cops are are absolutely incompetent. So we, we do sort of have those geographical tendencies to be yeah. like, oh, they're doing this. Has there been a lot of that? Have there been, a, do, do you think Albertans are very defensive going, please don't judge us by this guy. And there's Albertans going, yeah, that guy, that guy speaks for me. It's a little of both. Yeah, I think there is a little of both. I think the vast majority of people, um, are, are, are sort of in the middle. But as you know, uh, uh, on the one side, we do, you know, just running this through the audience today, there was a lot of people who, um, the, the good thing is, I think, is most people said what he did was horrible. Um, but then there was a good chunk of the audience that continued with a but. But I get it. But I understand. But I understand. And, and, and so there is definitely those, you know, su- I wouldn't call them supporters, but but there is uh, a certain segment of the population that's like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. But but let me ask you, because I don't think mm. I know it's not. I'm born and raised in Alberta, and I know it's not representative of Albertans. Certainly, some Albertans, obviously. But what's the take when something like this happens in, um, in in Alberta? What do people in Toronto think? Is it like when we see a story out of Florida, and it's like, ah, oh, Florida man, at it again, kind of thing? Is there is there a perception of Alberta like that? I, I think there. That's a great question. I think there's some of that, but I also think you know Toronto. I, I think there's a there's a distinction between Toronto and the rest of Ontario. I mean, the rest of Ontario that isn't Toronto is 75, 80% of the population if you get outside the GTA. And I really think I really think they want to be liked. And I really think I think even Toronto does sometimes. So Toronto wants like we want to be, yeah, the the, the center of attention. And at the same time, 
um, you know, we want we want Albertans to to understand that some of us, a great majority of us care that they feel disenfranchised and and we care that sometimes they feel like they're screaming into a void. And um, and, I, and I think Albertans, I get why Albertans kind of even feel used. It's like, hey, we'll take your natural resources. We'll take your energy. We'll take your oil. But we don't give you enough representation in, in the House of Commons. And and we're not terribly concerned what your provincial politicians think. So I know that there's a little bit of there's there's just a little bit of both. It's tough to you know shove it all into one box. But I think we saw I think we saw the video and we thought we know that's a step too far. And and even I thought a lot of even what happened on the election trail, to be honest, on the election campaign a year ago at this time, Shay, it, when it happened in Ontario, there were pebbles thrown at the prime minister in Ontario. Right. Um, there was there was abuse of of Jugmeet Singh. Um, but I think most of it is it's what you sign up for as a politician. But I didn't see that Friday. I I, I got the whole hulking male intimidates. And I, by the way, I mentioned it on my show. I, I, I didn't want to let the two women with the hulking guy in the ill fitting tank top off the hook. I mean, they're all in it together. They all have by design. Like you said, do they even do it if it can't be videotaped? Do they even show up? If they can't post it anywhere because they were giggling like uh, kids getting an ice cream after winning a T-ball game in the parking lot. Like it was a bit too much for me, that part, especially. You're absolutely right. Uh, You know, if you take a look at that video, if you watch the longer, they're rolling before they even realize that she's there. You can actually hear somebody say, oh, my God, that's her. She's here. Mm -hmm. I mean, the whole thing was done for clicks and clout in the Facebook world that they inhabit. And so, pardon me, I mean, I didn't play the audio back today and I didn't mention the guy's name because who cares? I mean, that's what he's in there for. But the good thing here or the important thing for me, Greg, is we're talking about how far do we let this go before we start to have a conversation about things are getting out of hand. And I don't want to be sitting here a week, six months from now going, oh, we should have acted sooner. We should have done something sooner because somebody's been hurt or worse. That's what I'm worried about. Shake Adams uh, joining me, uh, Greg Brady, on 630 CHED and 770 CHQR. His shows are 9 to noon Mountain Time. Uh, do log on to the Radio Player Canada app. Check them out when you're able to. I think about that sometimes. I know there was a there was a female British MP that was murdered uh, one of the times I happened to be in England just watching a couple soccer games, so it dominated the coverage. I remember when Gabby Giffords was shot in Arizona by a pro-gun activist. So it it's I know, shot out playing softball, right? Yeah, exactly. And that. Yeah, exactly. So I think in Canada for a long time, to your point, and it's a good one. There's 36 million of us. We're not all going to get along at times. But we always are like, well, that happens there and that happens here. Mm-hmm. And it's not Canada and it's not who we are. And we've had a real good look at, at you know, down the camera lens the last couple of years ago. That's some of who we are. What happened in Ottawa in January and February, however you line up now and however it looks six months later, is some of who we are. It, I, I mean, how can we argue that now? You know, you're absolutely right. That's the thing. We have, to, we have to at least be honest with ourselves about this and say, if you can't see this rising tide of anger, and you know what, anger, and, that's always been part of politics, and that's fine. The question, though, is uh, how, do we, how do we represent that? How do we allow people to feel like they're being heard? Like you say, that's what it comes down to. For a lot of people in Alberta, they see what's happening down east, and this has gone on for as long as I've been alive. But the anger rises, and then it goes away, and then it rises, and it goes away. And we're at a point now, I think, where it's just continuing to ramp up. And the other thing we need to talk about, Greg, is the leaders that see that, and rather than try and put a lid on it, they stoke it for their own personal gain. We're in the middle of a leadership campaign provincially and federally for conservative parties. And you know and I know there are certain candidates that will use that anger, use that fury to try and bolster their own ambition and that's a 
big, big problem. How, if it just feels like Alberta, would you say Albertans, I guess, having, you know, respect and, uh, and admiration and, and I suppose civility for the federal level gov- liberal government, it, it's a lost cause now. Two of 34 MPs were elected last time out. There's not a lot of olive branches, I feel like, uh, passed from uh, the federal liberals to Alberta. Does, does Alberta just say, look, we, you know, we didn't get the election result federally we wanted last fall. We're just waiting this out. But but this feels this feels so beyond strained, the relationship between the province and the, and the prime minister specifically and, and and obviously his deputy prime minister. I think I think the, the, the primary focus, at least with the audience that I talk to each and every day, is Justin Trudeau. As long as Justin Trudeau is leader of that party, there's not going to be any progress made. Um, there's a lot of capital to be made for conservatives in this province where your only platform plank really at this point needs to be, I'm going to fight Ottawa. I'm going to fight Justin Trudeau's policies. That that will carry you very far. Um, and I don't know if the relationship at this point, if there is a starting point, if there's a way to move forward. Now, that's not to say there are no liberals in Alberta. We did elect two. Edmonton mm-hmm. goes largely NDP uh, at a provincial level. So um, you know, conservatives lost some seats in Alberta in the last federal election. So it's not to say we're an entirely block of conservative voters like we used to be, but it's pretty close. Uh, Shea Gannam on 630 Chad in Edmonton and 770 CHQR in Calgary chatting with Greg Brady, 640 AM Toronto. So but, like you were saying earlier, Greg, in terms of that thought that Eastern Canada has for the West, you are cognizant of that. Um, but you understand the frustration, but do you think there's anybody in politics in the East that really cares? If you're like you say, is the relationship broken to Alberta sort of written off the liberals? Have the liberals written off Alberta? Yeah, it, it, it feels that way to me. And I, I think given we're probably expecting a bit of a more, a, a, you know, a coronation than a nomination for Pierre Polyev as, as the as the CPC yeah. leader. That's going to be interesting because, you know, he's not a prairies guy, but I, I know that he's done enough rallies out out in Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, that uh, that he's connecting. And I know he's connecting because he's connecting here. And I don't know whether that speaks to the rest of the field. Um, I uh, there obviously was an intrigue when John Charest stepped back in. There was more. There was intrigue when uh, when Brampton mayor and, and the, you know, the man who probably would be premier lest a scandal happened to him. Patrick Brown um, was in the race as well. But that's what's going to be interesting is is how, you know, how long there's two things that federally, obviously, that you look to and I look to probably how long will the NDP will the NDP ever get irritated and sort of, you know, uh, drop the fishing rod in the water and and sort of and sort of pull the boat into the shore and say enough. We're not going to support you anymore. We know they don't want to go right back to the polls a year from now, a year and a half from now. But it's, you know, you probably see Jugmeet Singh's Twitter feed. It's it's a constant barrage of criticizing the liberals. But then people say, well, what are you doing supporting them um, and their policies? You're 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 on them constantly, but you may not be getting enough for what you're providing them, which is kind of electoral cover here by by us knowing you can't lose a confidence vote. And you bring up something that uh, another thing that really has upset a lot of Albertans when when Justin Trudeau, I mean, a lot of people consider it now a majority government between the liberals and the NDP. And it's further shut out any conservative voice that they don't matter anymore. They're not needed. So that's added a lot to the frustration. But but Singh is is doing 
the best. I think he's very comfortable being an opposition guy. He knows that's where he's, that's his max, that's his ceiling, and he's making the most of it. And he's getting a lot of concessions from the Trudeau Liberals out of it. Policies that NDPs would never get passed because they'd never get elected. He's now getting brought onto the table and actually brought in in some places. So for him, it works out pretty well. My last thought on it all is I read I read a long tweet thread from uh, Calgary's mayor, um, Mayor Gontic, and uh, and obviously she's talked about the threats and intimidation she feels. And, you know, we had that conversation with our listeners. If there's, you know, 31, 32 percent of of the MPs are 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 women in the House of Commons. How can we possibly expect more? What woman watching right. what happened to Christian Freeland, politics aside, what w- woman listening to Calgary's mayor uh, or some of the other former uh, female politicians will say, give me some of that. I'm going to leave private yeah. enterprise and my anonymity and my ability to come and go as I please and nobody digging through my trash or my social media. And, and I'm going to take a pay cut as well and become a member of parliament. Like we're not going to get quality people and especially quality women doing it, Jay. No, you're absolutely right. And you mentioned uh, Mayor Gondek on the air with us this morning. Uh, Michelle Rempel Garner was another one who put out a tweet thread over the weekend talking about things that have happened to her. So you're right. And if you want to have these sort of people involved in public life and you do want to attract everybody from every walk of life, uh, you can't. You just can't have this. I mean, think about it. I, us as men, Greg. For me, I wouldn't want to be involved in that environment. It, I mean, it's it's bad for men. It's far worse for women. And I wouldn't have the stomach or the patience for it. You can't expect them to put up with it. It's it's just not acceptable. Yeah. And there's that fine line, isn't it? Because I think to myself, if I were a female politician, how willing would I be to say, she said it herself. She said, you think I want to say I'm fearful? You think I want to say I'm scared? I'm going to get it 10 times worse. If I start telling you everything I'm getting, that's right. You know, it, like there's the argument sunlight's the best disinfectant. But I know people that are way the other side going now, nah, once you start amplifying that stuff, once you start responding to the trolls, the trolls get get, you know, get invigorated and you're going to get 20 more of them. It's 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 opening the door. And that's a dangerous game as well. Once you do that. No, I think you're right. And if you take a look at me, if we just go back to where we started with this particular videotape, the whole point that this was done was the spectacle and the fight and the scene, right? So that's what I'm uh, sharing this stuff to try and shame this person. There is no shame. That's not going to work. So people say, oh, we've got to call it out. We've got to, you know, we've got to expose this. Well, they want it exposed. He, he recorded it. He shared it. There is no shame. So I think we can talk about it. We can say this kind of thing is happening and what do we want to do about it? But, but amplifying it and sharing it and exposing it. No, no, no. That's exactly what they want. Well, I know you got a big, big leadership race out there, big election in the spring. I know we'll be talking lots before that, uh, and we'll watch what happens with the Conservative Party of Canada. But uh, it's great to cross over. Thanks so much for making the time yeah. for our audience in Toronto, man. Yeah, same to you. Thanks very much, Greg. We'll chat soon. Uh, Greg Brady, uh, host of Toronto Today on 6.40 a.m. in Toronto, and I had a chance to talk with him yesterday afternoon, and that's something that a lot of you have asked for. Um, repeatedly as we go through situations like this about political issues. You said, you know, what's going on in the East? How do they view this? You know, you get somebody on from Toronto and see what their thoughts are. So you, you're absolutely right. We're going to do more of that. Space, the final frontier. Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to one. Yeah, let's get a little spacey here. Figure out what's happening with this Artemis moon launch. I was looking forward to this. We talked about it before it happened and how everybody was excited about the fact that um, there was going to be a rocket sent up to uh, 
I think it's a three-phase mission to ultimately get people back on the surface of the moon. And this was the first phase. Was supposed to happen yesterday morning, but it didn't. It got scrubbed. So let's find out what happened and uh, when we may make this up. We're going to chat now with Dr. Sarah Gallagher, professor of physics and astronomy and the director of Western Space at Western University, also a science advisor to the Canadian Space Agency. Dr. Gallagher, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So what do you know about what happened yesterday morning? I heard there was a couple of things. There was a, a fuel leak and problems with an engine. That's right. So there was a fuel leak, there was a leak in one of the hydrogen lines, and then what ultimately scrubbed the mission is that they couldn't get one of the four engines to the right temperature before they uh, they would have that super cool propellant go through it. And you want those things cooled before you make them even colder, because you know what can happen when something gets really cold really fast, it can break, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that's what ultimately scrubbed the mission. They only had two-hour window, and it got to the point where there was just no way they could work out all the problems before the window closed. Being involved in the Canadian Space Agency, I, I was making the uh, the analogy yesterday morning, like, you know, when we're heading out to work and the check engine light comes on, it's kind of like, okay, I'll deal with it later. You can't do that when you're talking about space missions. I mean, the slightest thing, you have to make sure everything is buttoned up tight, right? Absolutely. And it's just, uh, I mean, we, we eventually, you know, the next mission, Artemis 2, is supposed to have people on it. So yeah. um, you want to make sure that you're able to check out, check out all the systems. And this, and this is just, this whole system is so complicated. So this is pretty normal for space, lo- uh, for space flight that launches get delayed uh, because you've got a narrow window and you want everything to be ship-shape before you, before you go forward with it. So it's, it's disappointing. I mean, I was, uh, I was waiting on, I wanted to watch the launch and it was disappointed it got postponed, but uh, certainly that's, uh, that, that's a choice you make, right? You're, yeah. You want to be safe in, the, in this kind of a situation. No question, absolutely. And it's not like, I mean, they scrubbed the mission. There's still hope it's going to happen this week, maybe Friday? So there's going to be an update. It's supposed to be this afternoon, though. Uh, though that's uncertain, and uh, and they'll see if they might be a go for Friday. But they've got a couple. Um, they have a couple new windows. So September second is one, and September fifth are the next two windows. So it uh, sounds like they're still going to try to make it happen, and there'll be um, there'll there'll be an update later today. When we hear about those windows, what determines when the window is? It weather? Is that strictly what the factor is? Uh, the windows are more about the orbit. So okay. and certainly weather as well. So the weather has to be um, has to be fixed. But the windows you can identify way in advance because it's when the Earth and the Moon are lined up in the proper way, so that uh, you can get the spacecraft to the Moon's orbit with efficiently. You know, you you don't want to take more fuel or more time to get there than you need. So that's uh, primarily what determines the windows. Makes sense. Okay, phase one, the launch that was supposed to take place Monday might happen Friday. That's basically just sort of laying the groundwork. It's almost a test mission, right? Absolutely. So it's an uncrewed mission, but it's got all of the bits in it for the crewed mission. So there's the Orion capsule. That's where the people are going to be. Um, there's a European component. That's the component that supplies the life support system and also does some of the maneuvering once you get to the lunar orbit. So all of that's going to be tested, as well as the big rockets and the, and the big stages that get you out to the moon, all the way out there. That takes a lot of power, mm-hmm. really big rocket. Um, and 
And they also have a lot of sensors on the inside to make sure that in terms of the radiation and the, and the, uh, the G-forces and the temperatures and the pressures, all those things are going to be safe for actually having people in there. And then, as you said, the second mission, the mannequins are taken out and actual astronauts get on board this rocket. What's the timeline for that one? Do we know? So it hasn't been exactly scheduled, but it's uh, 2024 is the timeline for that. And we're going to have a Canadian astronaut on that Artemis II mission, which is really exciting. And then ultimately the third go-round would have people landing once again on the surface of the moon. That's right. And that's a whole other layer of complexity. So uh, even Artemis II getting people back out to the lunar orbit, I mean, there haven't been people out that far in decades. So that's really exciting. Yeah, very, very cool. Uh, Dr. Gallagher, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us with an update today. Uh, It was my pleasure. Have a great day. You too. Dr. Sarah Gallagher, Professor of Astronomy and Physics and a Director of Western Space at Western University, the Science Advisor to the Canadian Space Agency. It's kind of, it's not funny. Um, it, it's It's got to be disappointing. Hundreds, literally hundreds of thousands of people were on hand for that launch yesterday. And, uh, you know, at the last minute they find out, yeah, not going to happen today. It, it's got to be frustrating. Thanks for listening today. To hear any of our other interviews, you can find them wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to rate and review us. 